hey, hey, everybody. I am so excited to get to share this next interview with you. But first, I wanted to also say a quick shout out and huge thank you to Fabrizia, who sent us some of their canned margaritas. They are so delicious, and I'm so excited to get to share them with my next upcoming guest. Claire and I drank some as we did this interview, and I love that they are not super sugary and syrupy. Um, they have no preservatives, and it was so fresh and crisp. So give them a try. Hey, welcome to Moms and Margaritas Podcast. This is Abby McReynolds. Today, I am here with one of my favorite people in the whole entire world, um, one of my bestest buddies, Claire Marshall Crowell. Um, I am slightly biased about her because I love her so much. She's been with me through thick and thin. However, she is a badass that you really need to know. Um, she is a restaurateur, COO of the beloved Nashville A. Marshall Family Foods, um, and if you have if you live in the area and or have ever visited Nashville, um, highly likely that you have heard of the Puckett's restaurants. Um, they have currently eight restaurants going on nine, Pigeon Forge, they're coming at you in the fall, um, or end of the year, probably into the year 2019. Um, but she is incredible. She has two little girls, which of course is amazing to me because I, I live in boy world, so I love getting to see her little girls. Um, and she also has two ice cream restaurants, which is really her brainchild. Um, I don't know if you can call ice cream a restaurant. Can you call that? Close enough. Ice cream slash coffee. Ice cream. Scoop shop. Scoop, scoop shop. That is a good way to put that. Um, but I'm going to let her talk to us and kind of tell us all about how she has opened restaurants while pregnant with babies, etc., and how you even do all those things in a day. Um... But first, like all our podcasts, I do want to hear a little bit about how you were raised and how your mom raised you. I have met your mom. She's fabulous. We love Jan Marshall. Um, but tell me a little bit about what it was like to be a Marshall in the Marshall household and how Andy and Jan raised you. Well, first of all, um, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, but uh, what is it like to be a Marshall in the Marshall family? Um, you know, I really had, um, an awesome, awesome childhood. I grew up in Tennessee with a short stint in Kentucky. My dad's an entrepreneur. Um, and so I got to witness business building as he was, um, growing businesses, um, first in the grocery stores and in the restaurants. My mom was really, um, and still is our, our steady Eddie, which is really her personality. It was a role, but also her personality. We always call her the turtle. She's like slow <laughs> and steady, wins the race. But she was, um, you know, she uh, worked most of my childhood, um, took a, a stint in being a stay-at-home mom when she had her third kid, um, and then went back to work when he went to school, my brother. But, um, you know, that they really, in spite of you know, we moved actually nine times by the time I graduated high school, oh, just wow. around the area. Um, as my parents kind of climbed, um, starting like a duplex in Antioch and then, you know, and then would just buy, build and sell, build and sell. And that was really, you know, that, that moving around, um, you know, I think I've now internalized my mom kind of jokes that, um, I've moved, we're on our fourth house. We've been married for nine years and uh, so I've, I think I've taken that on, and though apparently I was the one that 
complained about that the most <laughs> growing up. But we also went to the same school, so we, we you know for twelve years. So we we had that kind of steadiness. Were um, mom and dad strict? Incredibly strict. Okay, I think. <laughs> um, but they they really were. They were um, pretty pretty strict on us. Um, at least. Um, you know, we, we joke that they were so lenient on my brother, but, you know, he's five years younger than me. Yeah. I do think, especially in the times we were growing up, that, um, you know, you typically were st- more strict on your uh, your eldest and your, especially if they were girls, you're just worried. Yeah. Um, you know, at that, at that time, I think some of that's changed. Um, maybe, maybe not for some people, but um, they were pretty strict about the rules um, for sure. But we moved us. It's very smart. I've taken note now that I have two girls. They moved us out in the middle of nowhere, um, aka Leaper's Fork. I thought it was a little over when I was 12. Now I think it's the most beautiful place in the world. It's um, very charming if you've never it been is. Nashville. So it is quintessential Tennessee, and that was when we bought Puckets. But um, they moved us out into the country when I was 12, and I... Um, always loved the country because my grandparents had a farm. That was really our constant since we did move so much that my grandparents always had their farm. That's where we spent a lot of time. So I had a lot of outdoor time growing up. Um, and I really cherish that. Um, and I think it's really important to how I grew up. Just, you know, I think about now, I'm like, we really were just let loose, like yeah. just go outside and play. We'd be out there for hours. Just no iPads. No iPads. <laughs> In the creek, up in trees, yeah, climbing through dairy dirt. barns. Um, you know, it was just um, for me pretty, pretty quintessential. But we played sports. Um, Dad was always and probably still is like you know in business. You know, a hard driver. Um, his expectations were always really high. I'm motivated by that and yeah. competitive by nature, so I was always pushing harder. Um, you know, we have a lot of personality. Were you, I know you said you moved out that way at 12, and then that was when y'all bought the first pocket, Mm -hmm. which then you sold. But that one, um, tell me what that experience was like through the eyes of a child. Yeah, you know, that's that's a good question. Um, You know, I started working, we bought it when I was 11 and moved out there when I was 12. And I started working, um, you know, just odd jobs around the store when I was 12, going in and making biscuits with dad at 5 a.m., which I thought was really cool when I was 12, yes. and I didn't think was so cool when I was 16, right. but you know, right. now I think it's so cool again, yeah. you know, the cycle of, of life and of being a teenager, but, um, and then, you know, stocking. Um, I learned a lot of my work ethic from that experience um, and a lot of um, value in people and growing up in that. I think it's, you know, looking back, it's I like how many people have that kind of experience now of really growing up in a, I mean, if you don't know Leaper's Fork, it's not even a town. It's, it's a village. You drive straight through, you hear like one stop light town. Like it doesn't even have that. Like it's just a couple of stores and, um, some amazing people. A little bit about Leaper's Fork. Sorry to interrupt you. I think cause I, I just am thinking about it right now. And for our listeners who have never been here, they need to know this. Leaper's Fork is this little teeny tiny town that Claire was mentioning and at Christmas time, they have a parade, and it is a parade that has like the garbage truck and the recycling truck and decked like, out with lights. Yeah, and tractors that are going down the street. And I mean, it's the garbage truck. I mean, it's just like the funniest thing ever. And thousands and thousands of people come out there. It's fascinating. But this is the kind of talent she's explaining. Yeah, Leapersburg is a is a. 
Um, just a hodgepodge of personalities. I yeah. feel like you, if you don't have a personality, you can't live in Leaper's Fork. And it's just such a gamut. And you never know who you're talking to. That's the thing I think yes. people are really drawn to in Leaper's Fork is you might think that you're talking to somebody that has been out there their entire lives and in fact they're millionaires yes and you also will talk to people that never learned to read right um, yeah. and you'll also you know um it's just it's and everybody is just there and hanging out and loving and that was what puckets was really uh, and still is um but growing up for us was really it was that community place and that's where i really learned how important building community is to a business mm -hmm. and I um I guess maybe it instilled in me wanting to be a part of a community and being a community builder yeah very cool so when was the when did the next restaurant the Franklin restaurant when did that happen it was so we um bought Leaper's Fork in 98 and we opened Puckets in Franklin in December 2004. I was a freshman in college working at P.F. Chang's okay. uh, in, in Nashville at the time. And I I, I did what everybody man every manager hates. I put in my notice right before Christmas. Um, to, and I was like, well, my dad's opening a restaurant. I need to go help him. <laughs> and um, and that's so it was, it was a good, you know, um, six years after we opened. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And so you... You, I think from what I know, you went in and out of the family business for a little bit. Yeah. And then now you're full time, obviously. Yes. Never thought I would be. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about that. Just kind of why you left it and came back and, and why you're there now. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I, I worked in other restaurants. I went to school um, locally at Middle Tennessee State University. Um, but, um, and so I, I did work on and off in summers at Puckett's, but when I was at school, I really was ingrained in just being there. So I worked at some Murfreesboro restaurants. I worked at some Nashville restaurants and that was really good experience. I think it's important for people to kind of step out of what is they're used to. It was good for me to gain experience in environments where I could learn something positive and also where I could learn something, you know, you have to have those negative experiences to know what you don't like, yeah. um, and to value what you, what you do have so I, I had some of those in other restaurants and and it really made me appreciate our family culture um, and um, but I you know I really love school and I really thought I'd stay in the academic world that was that was my plan um, best laid plans of course you know mm -hmm. I went back I had this big breakup right after college and uh, womp womp for the better and um, and so I did a little you know reassessment and um, dad actually asked me to go back. Um, I said, I'm, I'm just going to work for a little while before I decide if I want to go back and get my master's. And he asked me to go and help him in Leaper's Fort because he was really struggling going back and forth between, you know, basically being the general manager and the owner of both these locations. And I did. I was I was such a, uh, I was 21, I guess, um, going on 22 and so green. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a huge experience, both um, in, you know, I think all experiences are good in the long run, but there are some things that I, I struggled with learning my way, mm -hmm. um, as a, as a leader, but, um, it was really impactful, but it really wasn't until it was, it was very shortly after that. That was, that was May. And in November, we, he set us down right before, um, Thanksgiving to let us know that, um, somebody had approached him about buying that location and he was considering taking it so that he could 
turn his sights towards growth. Because mm-hmm. um, if, you know, we talked just talked about how small Leapers Fork is, it really does take an owner operator because it's so little, you can't really hire out help. Um, and he, he was struggling with that at the time. Um, and so it was very bittersweet because I, I was having, you know, a lot of growing pains there, even though I love the community just in my own path. Um, and so it was when I came back to work at Puckett's and Franklin as a manager, um, that I just found myself suddenly like, oh, I love this. And now it's a career path because we're going to grow before it was just my dad's business. There wasn't anything. I didn't see an opportunity to grow and and build a career other than just helping him. Um, But when he started to talk about opportunities in Nashville or, um, you know, uh, at the time, uh, Columbia was really knocking on our door, which ended up being our third location or third full service location. Um, You know, I thought there's something happening here. I I really feel like I need to jump on the the wagon or, or I'm going to be looking back and going, what was I thinking? You know? And so I'm really glad I did that. Yeah. So, well, you kind of mentioned, um, in college, you went through this breakup, and then I know at some point you met your husband, Tyler, mm-hmm. um, and got married, yep. which is oddly how I know you. <laughs> right. Um, so we didn't mention that Puckett's restaurants also have musical guests, and um, my dad's band used to play at the Puckett's in downtown Franklin, and um, Claire met the band and asked my dad's band to play at her wedding, and yep. then that's kind of through my dad knowing her, that's how I ended up meeting her. Um, so you get married to Tyler. Yep. He was one of my best friends in college, I should say. We didn't date until after college, but okay. he was a very close friend in college. Yeah. And so then, um, how long were you all married before you had Hattie Jane? We were married. We got married in 2010, and we had Hattie Jane in 2013. And I want to know, I think it's something that's kind of similar to you. I had never considered marriage as like the thing for mm-hmm. me. I just really, it wasn't on my radar until, well, the first time I was engaged, but it shouldn't have been on my radar, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and um, and then, you know, Tyler was one of those guys that you thought, or I thought, wow, I know this guy. He's been on my nose this whole time. If I, I was actually considering at the time a move to New York with a friend, uh, which would have been great and fun, I'm sure, and a great adventure. But I thought, if I do that I'm choosing not to marry Tyler right um and zig or zag yes exactly and I knew uh, as soon as we started hanging out I was like well I'm going to marry this guy I just knew because we knew each other so well and I felt like uh I felt kind of like an idiot that I hadn't considered it before so um and then once we we dated for a year and then uh once we decided to to get married we got married in three months because we, we were, I was working on opening downtown Nashville and I was like, well, I don't want this opening to, it's either we wait a year and a half or we get married right now. And we both yeah. were like, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so we, we threw the wedding together um, and it was, a, it was a blast. Uh, but same thing with kids. I, I really didn't, um, you know, get married necessarily with family in mind. I got married to Mary Tyler. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I remember specifically Actually, first time I, I remember talking to him and I, at some point, either before or after we got married, that if he just told me that he wasn't interested in, in kids, that I would be okay with that. Yeah. And he looked at me like he has so many times in the last, you know, 10 plus years and it was like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> of course we want a family. So it's one of those things, like sometimes you have people in your life that know you a little bit better than you know yourself in yeah, that moment. Absolutely. He's one of those people for sure. Um, but it was probably a good, really two years, three years later that I, I kind of, I remember the exact moment of going, yeah. And in clear fashion, I was like, and I want to do it now. Today. Yeah. Okay. Right now. So. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Hattie Jane comes along between restaurant when and when? What numbers? Right. So 2013, um, we opened Puckett's in Nashville 2010, and then we opened downtown Columbia in 2013. Um, I don't remember exactly which month. I just remember being very pregnant when we opened. So it probably would have been the spring since I had Hattie in July. Oh, my. Yeah. And yeah. what was that process like? Because yeah. I've, I've worked in restaurants. I've been... Um, a server, bartender, um, all kind of hostess with the mostest, and even just that is high pressure. And you yeah. think it wouldn't be, but it, it feels like it is in the moment. And I cannot imagine being on the other end of that, on the management end of that, and opening a restaurant and being pregnant. It was, um, you know, well, I think you find a lot of things when you when you're pregnant. You've won you realize what your limits are and you also realize how strong you are at the same time. Um, and I think a lot of women can relate to that. It's like, man, I can do so many things, but also that's my wall. Um, and, and that wall moves constantly when you're pregnant because every single day is different, just like it is any other time with your hormones and all those things. Um, we were living in Nashville in East Nashville at the time and Columbia is a good hour Mm -hmm. drive. And, um, and at that time of our growth, I was really hands-on. Um, now I have, we have a bigger team. I I wouldn't necessarily today be as, as like in every single moment of an opening as I, as I was then. Um, but, um, but I was, and, you know, fortunately, you know, Tyler's from Columbia where we opened this restaurant. So I had his mother-in-law or my mother-in-law, his mom, um, a place to stay when needed. And I, and I took uh, her up on that. Um, several times, but I remember very specifically, you know, I I guess I was one of those, and I'm not sure that this is everybody's experience, but for me, where I felt like so stupid looking back, like I felt like I constantly had to prove that I was normal and I could do everything that I normally could, you know, I was smart about like lifting things or what have you. I was also really big pregnant, like real big pregnant. I gained lots of pounds, like well over 60 pounds with my first. And, um, and it was just physically, and I'm a tall person. Everybody's like, Oh, you didn't. I'm like, Oh, but I did. Um, so it was physically taxing. Um, and, um, I remember having a very specific moment driving back to East Nashville in like the middle of the night after training, whatever, and having really my first true freak out. And I was probably, close to eight months pregnant at the time. So pretty far along and I had my first like breakdown. I'm doing too much moment, like the whole hour back of going, what am I doing? This isn't about me. It's about this baby. I'm endangering the baby. Of course, everything was fine. Yeah. I was just, I hit my wall. And so then I started just staying at at my mother-in-law's house when I had those later nights and, and eased up and delegated more delegations always, you know, something I have to constantly relearn. Mm-hmm. Um, but in that moment, it was a, probably a really good lesson. Yeah. And now I do feel compelled, like, kind of try to share that wisdom. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it really is okay yeah. to just be the pregnant woman. I had a freak out moment 
but was not working as hard as you were. It was not doing all the I crazy. highly doubt that. I was not <laughs> spinning as many plates, but just because it made me think of it, I'll tell a little story. I remember being pregnant with Jude, and I, I don't know, I'm probably six or seven months pregnant, and I'm in a public place, I'm in a public uh, store, and I go to the restroom, and I didn't even actually use the restroom. I just stood in there and just started sobbing. And this lady, a stranger lady, comes in and she's like, Honey, are you okay? What, are you all right? Do you need something? Are you having contractions? Or, you know, I'm just big and pregnant. And I was like, No, I'm just crying. And I don't know why. And I don't know why I'm in here. And I don't know what I'm going to buy. And I'm just crying. And I'm just. I just remember like having a full out panic attack, but I have no, re- I have no clue what it was about. No yeah. idea. Who knows? But so a question that I had, which is really important is, so you're pregnant and you're working in a restaurant with all of the world's best foods. What are you eating? And what are you eating a lot of? Uh, at that time, um, I was eating a lot of barbecue and yes. macaroni Yep. Mixed together oh, yeah. with barbecue sauce on top. Mm. And now we have the Piggy Mac, which is one of our number one sellers. <laughs> <laughs> so was that birthed out of your pregnancy? Pretty, yes, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> that is hysterical. Um, they, if you listeners ever come to Nashville, you've got to go to Puckett's for the barbecue sauce. I mean, just for the sauce. It's like the smoky barbecue sauce. Oh my gosh, it's so good. I would. I used to walk there from where I lived. I would walk there to the one in Franklin, and I would get sweet potato fries and just like a boatload of the barbecue sauce. I didn't pay her to say that. No, she didn't, but <laughs> I really feel that way about Yeah, it. I don't know that I should take 100% credit. As a chef of ours started putting it together as a dish, but I did eat it a lot before it became a dish. That's awesome. Well, yeah. Piggy Mac, whenever you come to Nashville, you guys need to eat that. Um, Okay, so at some point in time, you had a vision for an ice cream shop. What happened? What? Tell me about that. Um, Well, we, it was kind of a number of things. Um, Really started with my dad's brain and how it works, but we named our daughter Hattie Jane. one, Jane is my um, my aunt that's now uh, passed, and I really wanted to honor her. And so we, anyway, so we came up with the name Hattie Jane. Um, and he was like, man, that'd be a, a great name for an ice cream store. And he wouldn't let up on it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, meanwhile, we we did have extra space at the Columbia store um, where we had, we had carved out some space because we didn't want the restaurant to be too big. It's a small town. And it's, you know, sat there for, I don't know, a couple of years after we opened. Because we opened Hattie Jane's Creamery in 2016. We opened Puckett's in 2013. Um, So, I guess at some point we we started, uh, instead of joking about it, talking about it more seriously. um, And then um, went forward with the idea. And it was funny now go looking back we had all these ideas and uh thinking that it would be so much more simple than a restaurant it was one of the hardest openings i've ever been through um 
Probably because we're just so smaller used. Smaller footprint. Smaller footprint, much more streamlined concept, like a quarter or less of the items that we put on. But we we were determined to make it from scratch as opposed to ordering in a base and swirling in some flavors, which um, is puts out a fine product. But we really wanted to have ownership over the uh, flavor profile from the very beginning um and there is so much more that goes into that than we ever anticipated and if lokalani ever listens to this podcast she's going to be laughing because (laughs) she my my culinary director dropped into my life right about this time literally like two months before we opened hattie jane's cream when we had no idea what we're doing um and she's a pastry chef by trade and and then and then basically i i stole her from one of our other restaurants and um and she is the one that figured it all out. And if it was stressful for me, it probably was tenfold <laughs> stressful for her. But she is a rock star. But we ended up, I was also massively pregnant for that opening. Because I had Eliza, November 2016. And we opened Hattie Jane's, July 1st, 2016. Which also happens to be Hattie Jane's, the real, my daughter's birthday. It was July 1st. And that's when Hattie Jane's Creamy was born. Truly not on purpose. We were so desperate to open um, in the summer to capture the summer sales, yeah, and we sure. kept getting pushed back. We wanted to open in the spring. It kept getting pushed back, pushed back. And I knew uh, as we were starting to put our training, I was like, gosh, darn it. I'm not just ice cream. The first day available is going to be July 1st, and that's my daughter's third <laughs> birthday, but I'm not holding on any longer. I've got to no. get all the sales. Yeah. I would not recommend this. We ended up having, we had a Hattie's birthday party at Puggins in Columbia so that I could go back and forth between the store and my daughter's birthday party. Yeah, I remember that. We hired Elsa because Hattie's still to this day obsessed. Yeah, and, um, and, uh, I just kind of was like, well, we're going to have this party and then y'all can come get ice cream. And Elsa took the pictures. And meanwhile, I was you know, just sweating bullets over the opening and everything. It was so hot and the equipment was malfunctioning and it was just like, oof, but we made it. You made it. You I made remember. It. I, was, I came the first day and yeah. I remember. So we need to tell our listeners about some of the ice cream flavors <laughs> that you have because they're so unique. And actually, you guys, when Claire showed up today to my living room to do this podcast, she brought over a cooler with pints of ice cream for me. And I'm so excited. She brought my favorite which is called Nana Pudding, and it literally tastes like you're eating banana pudding, but it's cold. I mean, it's just like, it's so good. It's amazing. Um, And then you had a really unique one that you brought today, which was like... It's cream cheese and pepper jelly, just like you would eat with a saltine cracker. We actually serve it with saltines at your family. I don't know, for us, it was always like the big family gatherings, and you had like hors d'oeuvres out first. And we'd have like that ball of yeah, cheese, like the cheese with ball. the yeah the cheese ball yeah, and the pepper nuts. jelly and stuff. Yeah. But exactly, yeah. um, there's always some aunt that brought that. And so you and, made it into yeah, ice cream. Made it into well, yeah, I did. I cannot ever take credit. Loki did, and yeah. I it I is truly inspired. It, it transported me. But that's what we go for. We have obviously we do really great basic flavors like our chocoholic, our chocolate, and our vanilla. It's great. The banana pudding. But we really go for like, what are those like? We call them church lady recipes. Yes. Oh, And transforming those into um, ice cream. Yeah. We're in the South. I mean, there are some really tasty, bad for you recipes floating around here. 
floating around these parts. But um, it, one thing that was really cool to me to watch as a friend um, was that you opened your second ice cream location scoop shop in Murfreesboro, which is my hometown. So everyone I went to high school with and grew up with um, lives there. And one one day I saw someone post on Facebook, a friend that I knew who has a son with lots of medical conditions. Um, and she posted this very long emotional post. And it was a picture at your ice cream shop of she and her son and how he was able to go to an ice cream store and eat ice cream for the first time because mm, it was like dairy-free and um, maybe even sugar-free. I can't remember. There were lots of things on his allergy list that he couldn't eat that this one particular ice cream didn't have in it. And he, he was just ecstatic. I mean, I think he was nine years old or something. Yeah, I actually remember that. I remember it. But that's the beauty of making it from scratch is we know every single little thing that goes into the ice cream. Um, but we we really are proud of our dairy-free options, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's super cool. Well, okay, so I know that you and I have kind of had some conversations about um, momming in the past, and um, one thing that I really appreciate about you and that draws me to you is your work ethic, but also how you balance life. Um, and how you balance time with your girls. And um, I want to know a little bit about the how do you do it? And we've, we've discussed this mm -hmm. before, but for our listeners, I want to know how do you do it? You're a COO and of a, of a growing rapidly restaurant chain um, that is very, very busy. Um, I mean, you're not going to go to one of these restaurants without probably a little bit of a wait. And your husband works too. Right. He works for Corsair Distillery. Um, and so he has a busy life also. Yes. How, how do you personally balance? Every day is different. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, we've, we have talked about this a lot. And it's something that I've... Um, I went from being the person asking that question. Of course, I'm always going like, okay, how does that person do it? Just like every single mom on the planet yeah. wants to know. Um, but I feel like I'm starting to turn that corner and going, okay, I think I'm starting to get this. And not that I figured it out, but I get that nobody knows what they're doing. Yes. And you're all making it up yeah, we're as all we go. There's books, yeah. but I mean, give me a break. Yeah. Like, it does not spell it out, and you can't read one of them and go, I'm going to adopt this principle, and this is the right way. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think, first of all, everybody has to make the decision of how to manage their family and their life specifically for their family. You can get ideas and um, suggestions from other people, but nobody's doing it the same way, and everybody has to make a decision what is best for their family. So I think I believe very firmly in um, – and not, and you catch yourself passing judgment, I think, sometimes, because that's the hardest thing is that moms go, we're all so worried, parents in general, what this being a mom podcast, moms, you know, are also worried, are we doing it right? That if someone's doing yes. it differently, it feels like an affront. Yeah. And so we have to let that go you and realize. Even yes, of course. Doing it different. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think we have to let that go and realize that that mom is doing what's best for them. I'm doing what's best for me. We can all learn from each other. Um, but um, for me, having kids, 
Um, and specifically these two girls that, you know, I wouldn't imagine having any other two girls in, in my life. Like they were just, I feel like they were just made yeah. for me, <laughs> you know, which I don't know. I've yeah. probably all moms feel that way. Like yeah. I couldn't imagine having anybody else's kids. These are the kids for me, yeah. but they have taught me, um, they have inspired me to learn how to pull it back. Cause I, I do, because I do love my work and it's my family business, yeah. you know, before I had kids, I didn't, you know, it was 24 seven and it didn't bother me at all. Sometimes it would probably bother Tyler. Um, but he, uh, he's a hard worker too. And we, that was just our lifestyle. I worked all hours of the night and the day we had, you know, non-traditional schedules, but having the girls, I realized it was, it was like a big, you know, eye opener to me, like about what, you know, what's important and that it is okay to cut it off. Um, and I learned how to, you know, set aside the emails and the phone and all of that. Um, and Which I can only imagine yeah. that you get 900 emails a day. Yeah. Close to that. It feels like yeah. sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but you know, I never, and I never minded, you know, just answering, you know, along the way, but, but now I really have, have learned, okay. Um, the only people that are going to call me that have emergencies, anybody that has an emergency, a true emergency in my business is going to call me and they're going to call twice. Yes. So right. I, you know, yeah. I've, I've learned that I can put it aside. And if someone calls me two times in a row, hint, hint, you know, that's the way cool. to get to me. That's that I know I need to pick it up. Um, and you know, sometimes I'll just message them. Is it, is it a nine one one? Guess what? Nine times out of 10, it's not. Yeah. Um, but I, that is a luxury now of having a larger team. I fully recognize right. that, um, that when you're in startup or entrepreneur role or like a, a young business, it's not quite that easy. And I've been there. Um, and, and, and it's all, it's all relative, but, um, I don't think I can do the mom thing and I can't do the work thing without reliable people to help me yeah for absolutely. sure absolutely. um and that comes in all kinds of forms for me um when hattie was little it came in form of a part-time nanny and part-time mom my mom help um and then um and then finding daycare preschool uh and then both the girls being in preschool that's what has worked for us and then and we work our schedules around um that and it is hard and and Hard in that, you know, I, do, I especially since I work in a non-traditional industry, mm-hmm. um, I'm not in the restaurant schedule anymore, which has been helpful. And I, I marvel at the moms that I know that are working. You know, I do work some nights, mm-hmm. but there I am able to plan ahead for them more yeah. than I would have been in the past. It's not every single week. It's not every single day. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm lucky. I have I'm fully aware because um, I know some people that don't have family in the area. Yeah. Um, that don't have a supporting spouse uh, or partner. Um, and you know, and that we all know daycare costs an arm and a leg, but we make it work. You know, we, so you saying that makes me think back to my days of being a server, um, at a very busy bar restaurant. And, um, I mean, it was busy all the time, but I was a single mom and I was working every lunch shift and almost every night shift. I mean, I was working, there were 14 available shifts, seven days a week, lunch and dinner. And I was working between 11 and 13 shifts a week. And I remember coming home really, really late. And at that time I had two jars on my bedside table and I would bring my tips home and I would put some of my tips in a jar for me. And then some of my tips in a jar for my boys. And I just put, I don't know why, but having that 
cash money <laughs> on my shifts, I would just always put a few dollars in the jar just for them to put away for them for yeah. who knows what. But it, it just meant so much to me coming home every night after it could be 2 a.m. Yeah. And that's why I was doing it. And so yeah. it just helped me remember, like, this is why I'm doing this. This is why I'm walking on concrete for 12 hours a day, handing people extra mayo, extra yeah. ketchup for their hot dog at happy hour that cost, you know, a dollar fifty and they're never happy. But that but I could get home at night. And remember, I'm doing it for my boys and put putting a couple of dollars in that jar for them just made it worth it. Um, but that being said, I worked for men ownership, men CEOs, men COOs, men managers. Um, and I know that you have a passion for women in the industry yeah. um, coming up out of serving jobs and yes. into management, into leadership, into the C-suite level. I want to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, it's something I think about a lot because we do have in our industry, we have a very steep fall off for women into leadership positions when they become parents and also parents in general, mm -hmm. steeper for women. I don't have percentages. It's just personal observation. I'm sure there's statistics out there, yeah. um, but it's a pretty, cause just in my own experience I, I i see it every month and every you know I, I have women with potential um and uh when they start a family they the logistics yeah. of how our society works with daycare and help just get really really complicated and and if you don't have a system or a grandparent that's just available mm -hmm. um, it becomes really hard to um to to continue into management which requires um, by and large nights and weekends. Um, and so that is something I, I really dwell on a lot because I, I think, okay, how would I do it? Yeah. Um, and you know, I, early on I was working more nights and I had, you know, at the time I, I had, I had the one grandkid, so I had support right, and my yeah. husband mostly work would, would be home at night. Um, but, um, you know, I don't have to do that quite as much now, but I see people I work with, you know, struggling with that and everybody has their own like patchwork way of figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. but it just, you know, it astounds me. And, and so I just always am encouraging, um, women that are in that position, just keep their foot in the game somehow. Um, whether it is, you know, and I, I totally, totally understand and respect women that, um, that, want to be the primary caregivers and yeah. want to be with their families. And that is uh, a high priority for them. Um, and, but also they're some of our best leaders yeah. and even more so in my opinion, um, I shouldn't say that more so, but I think that, that kind of going back to, for me, in my experience, it, it sharpens your priorities. So, you know, that obviously there's plenty of women that aren't moms that are amazing leaders and, um, and they have a whole different set of reasons why and skill sets, but people who have been parents know their priorities are really, really clear. Yeah. Um, and I think that is a, a, an advantage. I don't know if an advantage is the right word or just something that is helpful, um, that they can, um, they typically know how to handle crisis really well. Yes. Um, and again, yeah. I, I always am like asterisks. I don't think parents are better leaders. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is um, that 
when you are a parent, you have to handle so many things. So those skills that you learn as a parent translate really well into leadership. Um, And so if there's a way to keep your foot in the game by part-time or just stay in communication with your, um, with the people that you worked with. Yeah. And, and know, if you know that at some point you want to go back in, but I always am trying to, to figure out how to problem solve it. But the thing is, it's so individual per, you know, per situation. Yeah. So, um, but that's, that's something I hope to continue to work on and encourage and be actively involved in. Do um, you see the trend in restaurants changing a little bit to where you see more women going into those roles of COO, CEO? Yeah, I do. I think that um, by and large, um, it is typically women that have come out on the other side and have older kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, for obvious reasons that they're more independent um, I, I truly think that one, you know, I'm one of the only reasons I am where I am is because I have family around me to support, um, and that I'm able to do it with with younger kids. And I'm always looking at for uh, for examples, and even outside of other, other industries. Um, but you, um, you know, I think we are seeing, and I also think the culture of restaurants, like you know, are maybe just getting a little less. Uh, old school and the way that they approach their expectations of people's um, outside schedules. You know, back in the day it was, you know, your outside life didn't matter and, um, and that you were kind of expected to drop everything for the the business or what have you. And I think now, and this is something that, that I do think that my dad has really instilled and me is that, you know, we, we work, have high expectations and we work really hard. So therefore it's really important that you get that time for your own life so that you are 110% when you're, yeah, when you're there, when you're there. Yeah. and then, um, so that, that recharge is really important, but I've seen even in our own business, us loosen and, and understanding how to balance people's lives within each location. And, yeah. and I think it's very individual, um, but you know, you know, we don't typically, for example, um, allow set schedules for a salary manager because it's, we want to make sure it stays fair. You mm-hmm. know, if one person closes all the time versus another, what have you. Um, but within each location, you have different dynamics, different people, and um, and we we just kind of have started training our teams to make schedules together mm-hmm. so that they can value each other's lives together. That's amazing. That's really important. That was something that I didn't have when I was an employee of a restaurant. And so I was working actually with mostly college age girls and um, was one of the very, very few who had children. And so I had to tell them day one, like I am going to have my phone on me. And if it rings and if it is my child's daycare, I may have an emergency and I just had to set the standard of or or kind of set the expectation of I'm going to give you my all but I'm in a different situation like I'm not looking at my phone because I'm texting you know like uh, a buddy right I'm looking at my phone if I get a call from the daycare specifically I, I think that's really important but I think setting schedules with other people so that you can value each other's priorities which typically is not working in your restaurant is not their top priority. Right. Typically someone, I mean, I think that for any job, any career path, someone's working there, maybe not for the just sheer joy of it. Now they probably enjoy it, but 
because they need to pay their bills or they need to keep their lights on at home or they need to feed their family. Um, one thing just to brag on your company, just a hair because I'm so impressed um, and knowing your father, um, Andy Marshall, I have been in your restaurants with him where he knows the name of the busboy and he's asking them about their kids and he speaks to every employee, the dishwasher, the busboy, the yes. server, the hostess, the manager the same way and he knows about their family, knows about their dog and um, I know as you're expanding that's probably harder and harder to do with you know just employees but that's something that I find to be just really special. Yeah, he's instilled that from day one. Everybody has value. Uh, everybody deserves to be treated with dignity. Um, it is obviously hard to remember more people's names as you hit, you know, 600 or so employees. But yeah. um, but looking them in the eye and having a conversation, um, you know, for me, that's how I help, you know, build a relationship and, and, and the trust and loyalty. Because it's hard. I mean, a lot, of these, a lot of people that I work with, you know, they've worked in all kinds of different situations inside and outside of restaurants and um, people just want to be seen, including myself. So that's huge. Yeah. That's pretty universal. Yeah. People want to be seen. People yeah. want to be heard. And yeah, so that's, it's amazing. I think that's just a huge testament to the company that you guys have built. Um, one question that I do have, and maybe our listeners will be curious <laughs> too, is, um, are there, can you name some famous people who have maybe, <laughs> um, eaten at one of your establishments? Because this is Nashville yeah. and it happens. Yeah. Um, gosh, yes. So many. Um, I hate name dropping though. You really <laughs> make me do it. I think one of the really fun ones that was really, I mean, you have all these people that live in Nashville. Yeah. So there's, there's eat. a lot of, there's a lot of names that, that you would expect. Like you're. Um, your Keith Urban's and your the Judds and mm -hmm. Faith Hill and you know Carrie Underwood you know used to come for veg veggie burgers back in the day and oh, um, yeah. but um, we had a Snapchat from Puckett's in Nashville from DJ Khaled recently oh, and I thought that was what? so cool. You did not tell me about <laughs> yeah. that. That's amazing. I was like that one. That one was pretty neat. Um, that was a, a fairly recent one. Yeah. Um, Basically, yeah. everybody's eating yeah. there. Hoda. I love Hoda. Hoda? Yeah. Hoda's a big Nashville fan. Of course, Kathy Lee just moved here. Yeah. Um, but, um, That's amazing. Yeah, that was, I, like, I like Hoda a lot, and so it was cool when she, when she came in. Way back when, way, going way, way back to my teenage days, when I, and at this time I had, I did have those magazine posters of him, Prince William came out to Leaper's Fork. No, and we had an didn't. article. We're not really. We don't put like pictures yeah. and articles or anything like that yeah. in, on our walls in general. But we did have the article of the prince coming in in our window for like I don't know how probably I ten do years. That. That's amazing. <laughs> He's got some you know horse people like that you know is, yeah that's, that he knew. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Um, well, I know that you won't do this <laughs> because it's not your character, but. Maybe someone else who works at Pockets will listen to this. But if Amy Grant is in one of your restaurants, if you could just let me know. And I'll I will just let you know. right there. Dad, if Dad was in here, he would tell you that they were golf buddies back in the day for oh. charity charity golf. That's uh, Vince, and Vince Gill is one of my favorite. I mean, he, every time I see him live, I, he, I get weepy. Yeah. Actually, had a, well, that's a, a story for a different day. Well, 
Well, we definitely will need to have you back. Um, you are just always busy. You always have something going on. You're always inspiring to me um, and everyone around you. You speak at all kinds of events. You help with the um, all the Nashville local restaurants on the board. And I mean, you're just a busy, busy bee. Um, if you could leave our listeners with just like some type of universal mom advice or word or just universal mom wisdom yeah or i'm gonna borrow from somebody actually um and that i heard speak and i just loved how she put this and um i think she was like ceo or cfo of at&t like you know somebody that had a big big like big girl job big girl job big girl job and she She exactly i do not wear suits (laughs) um And she said, you know, at the end of the day, all of us are put together with safety pins. And there are so many days where we all, you know, especially, I know people say this all the time, especially in the age of social media, we all have our kind of highlight reel or whatever it is out there. And you go, how in the world do they do that? How do they look so put together? How do they have, how are they so perfect? This or that? Well, guess what? They're not. I'm not. You're not. Nobody is. I feel really strongly, and we were saying this before we started the podcast, that every mom or parent or anybody has their thing. And, like, for me, you know, I am, I, you know, I, li- I live a busy life, and I, I love living a busy life, but my thing is I love I love to cook, and I love to cook for my family. Um, and people are like, well, you cook meals for your family? How in the world do you do that? Well, it's the thing I make priority. Guess what I'm not doing? I am not a project person. I am terrible at wrapping presents. I am terrible at handmade anything. My kids will not have the winning science poster board unless they make it themselves because they are super creative. Um, I am not that person. I'm not super organized in that in that way. My you know my husband would laugh. I have one DIY project that I successfully made. And it was painting a mirror a different color. Um, And it's up in my daughter's room. Um, Everything else has died or looked terrible and I threw away. So um, so I think that everybody has their thing. You should lean into that thing and just forget the rest. Don't try to be everything. Just have the one thing or two things that you really feel strongly about is important to you. Um, but everybody is, is just trying to make it work. I definitely have felt that way about you because you do cook those home cooked meals and you garden. I love, I, but I like to. You have an amazing garden. (laughs) I'm not ever going to have a garden. Um, but if you grow some extra cucumbers, you can send them my way. I I have extra ones in my, I will remember that. I have them in my fridge. I do like to garden. Um, but, all- but I'm also super low maintenance with my garden. It will die if I if it, if the Tennessee weather doesn't help me out. Yeah, it will. It's on its own once it's planted. Yeah, but pretty all much. Of that to say you're strong yeah. in some areas. Yes. And then there's other areas that have to. You don't. Yeah. There's only 24 hours in a day. Yeah. And I think that's what you're saying is, you know, for every mom, I think that. Uh, we well, of course we see the curated um, highlight reels on social media, yeah. and then we think everything's perfect. And how do they do that? And how do they do that? And how do they do that? But maybe honestly, and it just looks yeah. different. And there are different positives. Either that, or they're able to hire people to do it for them. Well, yeah, and that's fair. That's and that's fine. <laughs> and that's fair and good for you. Good for them. <laughs> Well, on that note, thank you so much for your time. Cheers. We need to cheers, cheers. to our margaritas. Yes, we, we are. love our margaritas. All right. Well, thank you so much, Claire. Thank you love for having you. me. Peace out.